Hi, Pastor Rob here from City East Church and MTL Ministries. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Matthew 7, 13. Are we ready? Matthew 7, 13 says this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you help me now. Help me to... Uh, Minister this sermon, help me to uh, string the words together um, straight from heaven, the words that you give me, and may the Spirit speak clearly through me, and may I not be in, get in the way with my own preconceived ideas or prejudices, but may you uh, speak, uh, and may we all be better for it after we've heard it, Lord, may it transform us and help us to um, walk on this narrow road that you're speaking about, because Lord, it's so, so important that we know what the narrow road is and when we're on it, and when we're not on it. Because it's so easy to uh, take detours. So help us, Lord, to uh, uh, or help me to get this message out and help everyone here to receive it, and everyone on, on the YouTube to receive it into their hearts. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Matthew 7.13 says, Enter through the narrow gate. Enter through... The narrow gate. Now Jesus warns us very clearly that the way to eternal life is narrow. There's, it's a very narrow path, meaning it's, we, we have to adjust a lot of things in our life to enter the narrow road. Right? It's not a wide road with a lot of things accepted in, in your life. You can't accept just anything that happens in life. You can't accept and become just like everybody else. There's got to be something that's going to restrict the way we live so that we walk the way Christ wants us to walk. There's, there's got to be restrictions on us if it's a narrow road, doesn't it? If Jesus is telling us you can't do this, you can't do that, which he does say, and Paul says it as well, then those things must be the parameters. And that's what I write here. What this tells me is that those who receive eternal life in Christ live within the narrow parameters. We're not narrow-minded. Not, we're not talking about thinking here. We're talking about parameters, moral guides, narrow parameters of the gospel, and they don't step out from those narrow parameters. They stay within them. They're guideposts, they're signposts along the way that, so that we know as if we stay within those parameters, we're going to receive eternal life. I think this is important. What do you guys think? Matthew 7, 13 to 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many go through it or enter through it. What that's saying is, is many, in the Greek, I, can't, I should have looked up this, the, what the Greek word was, I'm sorry I didn't, it's, it means multitudes. Multitudes are walking on the narrow, oh, sorry, on the wide road that leads to destruction. Now, if you are also walking along that same road, and you're not walking on the 
narrow road, then you're walking on the road that leads to destruction also. And how do we know if we're on the narrow road? Well, Jesus gives us some clear advice, and he actually gives us some great advice directly after this passage. It's, it's in line in his teaching in this same discourse. Many are on the, narrow, sorry, the broad road that leads to destruction, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And get this, only a few find it. So when people say, oh, you Christians think you're the only ones that are going to heaven, yeah. <laughs> only we Christians are going to heaven. Only we Christians who walk the narrow road are going to heaven. Anyone who rejects Jesus as the Son of God and does not walk upon the road that he has set up for us to walk within the parameters with which he has directed us to walk by will not go to heaven. Don't let anyone deceive you any other way. You know, how can 10 people walking on different roads or believing different things all get to heaven when Jesus clearly says that they won't? Only those on the path of life. The path of life. Amen. So the way Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say Buddha is the way, did he? Only Jesus' way. He didn't say Muhammad is the way. Actually, Muhammad wasn't even a to be considered back then. This was seven or six to seven hundred years prior to Muhammad. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth, the embodiment of truth. He is truth. The hands of Jesus fashioned the universe. The mind of Jesus thought up the universe and everything within it. So when he says, I'm the truth, he is. He actually is the truth. He's like, you want, you want to know how the universe got it to, to where it is? Jesus. A little child asked the parents, why is the sky blue, Daddy? Jesus. <laughs> That's why. Why is the sea blue? Jesus. Why are there fish in the sea? Jesus. You know, a scientist will say, That's so unscientific. The Bible says that's the truth. You can be as unscientific as you want, or scientific as you want. But if you deny the truth, the truth is found in Jesus. And I'm the life, meaning. Without Jesus, there is no such thing as life. Without Jesus, all you're going to have is eternal death. You'll be cut off from God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So it's, it's a choice that everyone has to make. You know, people around the world want to stone me for saying this. And stone me they will, but life I have. But you know what? They won't receive life. They can stone me, they can hate me, they can hate Jesus, they can hate the name of Jesus, they can be in rebellion, they can fight it, they can resist it. But Jesus is still the truth. He's still the life. Amen. Now, either Jesus is a liar and the greatest deceiver who ever lived, or else he's telling us the absolute truth. But to sit on the sidelines and believe all the sceptics and not look into these claims adequately is to play Russian roulette with your eternal life. If you don't look into these claims, if you don't look into the truth of Jesus Christ, if you just believe some crazy documentary you watched on, on, on cable and you believe that and you don't bother picking up the Bible, you don't bother reading the scholarship that's done behind you know, for the last 2,000 years, and all, if you don't listen to some Christian scientists out there, 
There's so many Christian scientists. Just watch the movie, uh, the documentary, The Case for the Creator by Lee Strobel, and you're going to get a string of scientists and scholars who you can research and read their books, and you're going to get an insight into how the world got here and how the universe set, got set in place and into intelligent design and the proof behind it, which... Uh, create, uh, evolution does not have any proof. There's still this, the missing link. There is no link. Every time they create a missing link, it's been proven a fraud. You know, evolution is the biggest scam that the earth has ever embraced. Yet intelligent design is obvious because everybody is so intelligently designed. We are so clearly designed. How can people be so fooled? How can people be so narrow-minded, so dull-minded that they can't see that a, a, a body like mine that has, you know, I, I think it's 11 to 13 systems or something, all working in conjunction with each other, one of those systems go down and the whole system, the whole lot go down. They all are interdependent. How does that just slowly evolve over millions of years? Such complex systems with so many... Com- uh, complex parts involved to make that system work, you know, and they all interdependent and they all had to happen at once or else they'd never have evolved. They couldn't just slowly have become that way, you know, and that goes for every single insect, every single uh, fish in the sea, every single animal, you know, they all are complex systems. The smaller they go, the, and they're still just as complex. You get right down to the tiniest cell, and it's the most complex thing. And you look inside a cell, and all the little, you know, um, mitochondria and all those other things, they're so complex at the microscopic level. It blows scientists away. The further and the deeper they go, the more amazing it is. Yet a dull-minded scientist will go, oh, this all happened by chance where an intelligent scientist will look at it and say, this is proof, there is no possible way that that could have happened by chance. It's just out of the question. It's simply out of the question. You know? But people don't look into that. And look, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm, not, I'm only scratching the surface of this. Do your research. Do your research. Amen? No man has ever claimed what Jesus claimed And at the same time, back up every word with action. The words of Jesus, I believe, should be taken very seriously. No one has ever claimed what he's claimed. Now, if he's claimed, and I think it was Lee Strobel said, either he's a total nutcase or he is the son of God. And you know what? Jesus proved not to be a nutcase. You know, the accounts we have is we have hundreds and hundreds of eyewitness accounts Um, The earliest scholarship to the Gospels was written by actual disciples that were with Jesus and there was an oral tradition being passed down and oral tradition is not Chinese whispers. That Chinese whispers argument is stupid. Oral tradition is when an entire community has witnessed an event and the entire community is self-correcting and teaches the truth of what they witnessed. You know, so you know what? The atheists will just say, well, I don't believe the Bible at all. I think the whole lot is phony. Well, you can say that, but then you've got to go and start saying that to every ancient document just because it wasn't written in this century. Now we don't believe it just because it's old. Come on, man. Got to get a better argument. That scholarship, scholars all over the world uh, will, will, cannot deny, and I'm talking scholars, not just the average person or some hack who's making a documentary on, on the, some history channel. 
But I'm talking scholars who look into the evidence all say the same thing. We cannot deny that the Bible is authentic and was written by those men back in those days. You know, it's clear. Anyway, to believe that you are, this is another thing, atheists believe that they are not eternal creatures and that your consciousness ends at death. This also is a huge, huge gamble and one that is not worth tossing a coin on. To to believe that when you die, that's it. Now, they believe that without scientific proof. The only way, the only science they've got going with that is, well, that person's died and we don't know where he's gone, so we assume he's just ended because his body's ended. That's real scientific, isn't it? But the, the Bible tells us different. So when you're facing death, you've got a, a very important decision to make. Either your life is going to end and cease there. Now, if that's the case, I'm fine, aren't I? Because if it's going to happen for you, it's going to happen for all of us. But if the Bible's true and you have to face death, you're in big trouble if you don't believe in Jesus. Sorry, to enter into the um, death realm without Jesus Christ is a huge, huge risk and one that many are taking, but they shouldn't take. I believe it's, it's dangerous. Who would like to enter death without Jesus? That would be so scary. Like Death alone is scary enough, but to enter it having stubbornly rejected Jesus and just for the sake of, you know, you won't humble yourself even at that moment where you know I'm about to die and there's a priest there or someone saying, hey, look, give your heart to Jesus now. You've got a chance. And to be stubborn even at that moment, even though you're scared out of your wits, you don't know where you're going, and to still reject Jesus, that's... Oh, you know, I don't know how anyone could have the guts to do that. That's tough. But it's also weak because the only reason they don't do it, the only reason they don't repent is because they're too proud to repent and say what I've believed my whole life is a lie. You know, Richard Dawkins, to reject his views and accept Jesus means he's got to basically pull all his books off the shelves all around the world and make a huge apology to Christianity and a huge apology to the scientific community and say, I'm sorry, I've been deceiving you all these years. Now, how much of a chance do you think Richard Dawkins is going to have of humbling himself to that degree to make that sort of an apology and risk losing all that money, etc., etc.? He's got to be really... Humble. He's got to humble himself to the point of loss, losing everything to gain Christ. So, so few people are willing to do it. So I'm telling you, lose your pride. I'm not telling you guys, I know you all believe, but I'm telling everyone on the internet, lose your pride. Lose your pride and just start living for Christ. Live for Christ. He's the only way. There's, no, there's nothing else in this life that you can bank your hopes on and be ensured that when you die, if you've lived within the parameters of the gospel, when you die, you're going to go into the eternal realm. And that is where life is, in Christ. It's in Christ. You know, when we enter in, we, be, we enter into Christ. We're in Christ now. And the Holy Spirit's in us. So God is in us and, and we are in God. But to enter into eternal life, when you die, you are received into Jesus. Remember Abraham, paradise. This is before Jesus came. It was called Abraham's bosom. And when, when someone who was a, a, a Jewish believer or someone who believed the Jewish faith would die, they would go to Abraham's bosom. They'd be taken to Abraham. Right now, Jesus comes. He's the new Abraham. We get taken into him. 
we get taken into his heart, into his, and, and so we enter in. And so when you get in the heaven, you're, you're, you're in Christ. It's, it's an amazing concept. And that's why there's no tears in heaven. That's why you can't die in heaven. You get an imperishable body. You know. Is this making sense, guys? I hope so. All right, following this narrow road teaching comes a discourse of teachings which relate to staying on the narrow road. And I'm just going to go through there. Matthew 7.15 says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. The world is saturated with false prophet teachings. Isn't it? How, much, how many of you guys are studying you know, on the internet and you're looking at different teachings around the world and what's going on and what religions believe? And you know, we've, We did an Uncovering Religions sermon series and I'm still planning to do more of those, uh, but I haven't done many for a while. But how many religious views are there and, and what these people believe? Some of it's astounding. You just think, how can you believe that way? But they do. There are, the, there are a lot of false prophets out there, a lot Seek and then, you, like, like if we look just within the Christian denominations, we have and they call themselves Christian denominations. They, they're accepted as mainstream churches, but but they're not. They're actually uh, they're false prophets. They teach false false uh, teaching. They have some true teachings, like the seeker sensitive movement. It has some truth in it, right? But all you need to do is slip a little bit of poison in there, and you've you've just deceived a whole heap of people, and they could lose their salvation as a result. If you make uh, salvation easy. If you say Jesus will accept you no matter what you do, and he does when you come to him, but he doesn't then accept you doing whatever you want for the rest of your life, living like pagans, and then at the end of your life, he, he's just going to save you regardless of what you do. That's a false teaching. But that's what the seeker-sensitive church does. And the reason they do that is because they know that nine out of ten people are not going to want to change. They're just going to want to add Jesus to their life but keep doing everything else that they do so that they can do all these, you know, sinful things and they know Jesus is just going to forgive them. Gross. Or they think Jesus is just going to forgive them. Gross. They think that's grace, a license to sin. Paul clearly spoke against this license to sin stuff. Watch some of my sermons I've already done, like Repent and Sin, sin No More and then my sermon on Once Saved, Always Saved. Just, just search them out on YouTube and, and you'll see that, that that sort of teaching is so false. Anyway, that's the seeker-sensitive movement. There's the prosperity gospel teaching that Jesus wants everyone to be healthy and wealthy. Right? Like Joel Osteen, what does he teach? Jesus died so that you can have an abundant life. Joel, where's that in the Bible? That you can have an abundant life. What about the poor Christians that in, in communist China who are in prison for the faith and getting daily tortures? Is that the abundant life that Jesus died to provide, is it? You know, that teaching only, only works in a peacetime community where there's no hardship for the faith, you know, and there's probably people sitting there who are having, going through trials and tribulations in their life, and he's teaching that, and they're going, okay, well, if that's the case, what am I doing wrong? Why aren't I living this abundant life? So I've got to listen to Joel Osteen more so I get that abundant life. But the more they listen to him, the worse their life gets because they're getting fed at false gospel. That's not the gospel. That's not the truth. Emergent Churches is another one. Watch um, Joe Schimmel's uh, documentary called Submerging Church 
and he completely exposes that false false movement it's it's it should not be called christian because they deny jesus christ and his deity they deny the bible as the word of god so to call it a christian movement is false it's a cult it's simply a cult the emergent church if you're in an emergent church anywhere in the world get out fast stop listening to rob bell turn him off turn him off he's a shocker and there's plenty of videos that expose him but watch joe schimmel's uh video the submerging church he, he, he it'll blow your mind what they're into there's also the New Age movement all around the world. More false prophets. The New Age uh, in, in all its forms. And there's so many forms, just don't, don't be part of it. And it says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Do you know how many Christians read their star signs every day? Do you know how many Christians walk in a market and get their palm read? You know, what are we doing? We, got, we, we say we believe in Jesus, yet we go to demons? We go to demons for our future, get a demon read our future for us, give us a demonic future. It's happened to so many people. There's some, I've got some stories I won't go into now. There's world religions. Again, as, as go and listen to my sermons on Hinduism, my sermons on Sikhism, my sermon on um, Islam, my sermon, these are all podcasts, you can look them up on iTunes, um, my sermons on um, Baha'i. Buddhism, I've done a sermon on each of these, and you'll see that they're false. They're false religions. They teach untruths. Uh, also, Christian cults, look out for them. <laughs> you know, this list, I've only got a short, short list here, but the, this list of, um, of cults and religions around the world and, and the, just how, these, how many influences are out there to deceive people and to keep them from finding the truth. There are so many out there. Jehovah Witnesses, again, go and listen to my sermon on Jehovah Witnesses, Christian Delphians and Mormons. Uh, I've done Christian science. I've done Scientology. Uh, they've all been done, and they're all worth listening to so that you will not be deceived by false prophets. It says watch out for them. How do you watch out for them if you don't know anything about them? How, do you, how can you spot false teaching when you hear it if you're not aware of it? So get aware. Amen. Matthew seven sixteen to 20 says, this is following the verses that we've already looked at, the narrow road verses. It says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And that's relating to false prophets, their fruit. But also you recognize any Christian by their fruit. And then Jesus elaborates, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Will you find a fig on a thistle bush? You simply don't. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, listen to what happens to them. They're cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. There's a clear warning here. If you're a true Christian, you will produce fruit. If a Christian or claiming, someone claiming to be a Christian does not produce fruit, what does the word say here? They'll be cut down and thrown into the fire and burned. Right, Jesus, that's referencing hell. He will destroy those who do not produce fruit. So there's a, a parameter guide for us. That's the narrow parameter that we are to live within. We must produce fruit. Yeah? What did um, John the Baptist say? He said, produce fruit in keeping 
with repentance. See, fruit is proof that you're keeping with repentance, that you haven't repented and then gone back into the world and done that, done the, done the things of old. When you produce fruit, you, it's proof that you've been keeping with repentance, and that's important. So those who are on the narrow road produce good fruit. Now look what comes straight after that verse. The famous Matthew 7, 21 to 23, which says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. But who gets into heaven? He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There's the answer. It's not you get into heaven just because you've made one confession 20 years ago and you've lived the life of sin ever since and now you're in heaven because it's once saved, always saved. So that's, that's a crazy doctrine when you've got a scripture here that says that only those who do the will of the Father. How do you know those who do the will of the Father? They have fruit. They produce fruit. So these verses all link. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers or workers of lawlessness or workers of iniquity in the King James. Away from me. I never knew you. So if you're not producing fruit, Jesus doesn't know you. And you know what I think in that? I've had a lot of different comments on that verse. Uh, Jesus, if you, if you go somewhere or do something that Jesus does not approve of, Jesus cannot go with you. So you go without the Spirit of God. If, you're, if you go into strip bars, for example, God will not go in there with you and support you in that and fill you with the Holy Spirit. So if you, he doesn't know you. So if you've lived your life doing things you shouldn't be doing all the time, you've, you've, you've driven God away. You know, he's, he's fleeing from you. He gets away from you. The Holy Spirit is very, very sensitive to these things. The Holy Spirit will only stay with a man if, he want, if that man wants the Holy Spirit to stay with him. And, the, and that man will do everything in his power to make sure everything he does, the Holy Spirit approves of and is with him in. So if you've been going to these places, repent. Repent. You know, there's a lot of people on the internet listening to this right now. They must repent. They must repent of the lives they've been living. If you drink and get drunk regularly, Repent. If you're taking drugs, repent. If you're committing adultery on your wife or your husband, repent. Because the Holy Spirit is not with you. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you're doing those things. If you're watching porn, repent. If you're um, in a homosexual relationship, repent. The Bible's clear. Now, homosexuals like to make out that that's the only thing the Bible is against, is homosexuality. No, it's against every form of sexual immorality, every form of it. If you're lying all the time, if you can't tell the truth and you're covering your addictions like gambling or whatever else, repent. You know, you can keep on going. If you're getting into demonic things, evil things, you've been in the New Age, you've been in the, um, any of these cults that we are talking about before, repent, get back to the straight and narrow road that leads to life. So Matthew seven twenty four to 27, this is, uh, again, straight after that uh, verse that we just read about, Lord, Lord. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
If you hear these words that I've been speaking today, and these are Jesus' words, if you hear these words and you put them into practice, and as you put them into practice, of course, you start to produce that fruit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And like, he's like a wise man. You'll become like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, you know, we all like houses, don't we? You know, if you're going to build a house and you have the choice of sticking the foundation in sand or on the rock, which would you just pick? You'd pick the rock, right? Now, if you live within the parameters, the narrow parameters of the gospel, are you going to live a better life than everyone else on earth who's not living within those parameters? Absolutely. People think, oh, I'm going to not be able to have all my fun times because that means I can't sin anymore. Where did they ever get the idea that sin is fun? Oh, I can't go out and take ecstasy on a Saturday night. Well, that's good because if, you know, you take ecstasy long enough, you'll eventually die. If you take ecstasy on a Saturday night, there's an endorphin in your body that is like a, 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 like drips this natural high in your body. And if, you, if, if it's regular, you feel joy all the time. And Joe Schimmel was talking about this in one of his sermons just recently. And when you take ecstasy, what happens is that drip speeds up, gets faster and faster and faster. So now, if that endorphin speeds up on a Saturday night when you take ecstasy, it makes you feel all this excessive amounts of joy and happiness. But what happens is once the drug wears off, it doesn't just, that endorphin doesn't just reduce back to normal, it actually goes backwards and starts to dry up. So that drip, that constant drip that keeps us with a natural high dries up. So they say every Tuesday, ecstasy users who use it all the time calls Tuesday Suicide Tuesday because they want to kill themselves because they get that depressed. Now, if you continue to take this for long enough, eventually that endorphin dries up altogether and you want to end it all. There's no reason to live any longer. So people who say, oh, I don't want to be a Christian and, and repent and start living within the narrow parameters of the gospel because then I'm going to not be able to take these drugs. Great. Then you're going to be able to live a healthy whole life with a natural joy. And when you get the joy of the Holy Spirit in you, then you're going to be the happiest guy around, far happier than anybody else. Is sin worth it, guys? Sin's not worth it, is it? You know, oh, you know, I don't want to be a Christian because then I can't get drunk every weekend. Great, you don't have to vomit every Sunday morning now. You don't have to wake up feeling shocking every Sunday and ruin that day just so you can go out and have a laugh and not remember anything. You did on the Saturday night. And then they, they'll say, oh, no, well, I want to sleep around. And I don't want to become a Christian because of that. He wants to sleep around all the time and have to lead, that, lead that empty existence. Nearly everyone that I know that's single at an older age is so sick of that. They don't want it anymore. All they want is one devoted woman or one devoted man. They'll do anything to have that. They've lived that life and they've lived that sinful life that Hollywood makes so, you know, it sounds so fantastic and the rock stars make it sound so fantastic because every city they go to, they've got a string of girls that want to sleep with them. You know, but a life of that, it leads to total emptiness. And if you keep involving yourself in that, you know, there's a lot of side effects, venereal disease. It's not nice. Actually, it's a terrible thing to have. If anyone's ever had it, you don't want to have it. And that's the result of that sort of a lifestyle. 
that sort of sexual, immo- sexually immoral lifestyle. That's why God knows if you live the best way to live is within my parameters. If you live within my parameters, you will live a beautiful life, a fantastic life. But too many people think sin is so much fun. Anyway, this person who built his house on the rock, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew, so hardships came to his life and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, and the rock is Christ. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash and was destroyed. You know, that is building your life in sin. If you build your life in sin, it will fall with a great crash. If you don't want to get venereal disease, don't sleep around. If you don't want to uh, slow down your endorphin drip in your body, don't take drugs. If you don't want to feel crappy on Sunday, don't drink on Saturday. You know what I mean? The list goes on and on and on. Sin hurts you. Sin will eventually destroy you. And God hates sin. And the first thing he's going to do is judge the sinner and the sinner who is not covered and atoned for by the blood of Christ. People say, oh, you're just putting fear into everybody. This is terrible um, that you're just, you know, scaring them about hell. No, we're just pointing out reality. And if you don't live by, you know, Jesus has done everything that he had to do to ensure that you don't have to go to hell, that you don't have to live... uh, go into that place of torment forever and ever and ever. But too many people, as I said before, they're too hard-hearted to repent and come to Jesus and say, forgive me, Lord, and receive his mercy, receive his grace, his blood, his blood covering, his atonement, his forgiveness. Amen? It's a simple thing. So the last screen. There is not hundreds of ways to eternal life. Actually, most roads in life lead to eternal death. Simple as that. Most roads lead to eternal death. Not all confessing Christians will receive eternal life, but only those who do the will of the Father, who live within the parameters of the gospel, will receive eternal life. Not all all so-called Christian doctrines today lead to eternal life. If you listen to the doctrines of of, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, they teach that Jesus is not God. However, John 3.16 says... That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him, not a man called Jesus, who's just a man, but whoever believes that Jesus is the only begotten son of God will receive eternal life. So if you're a Jehovah Witness, you will not receive eternal life with those doctrines unless you turn, repent and say, Lord, I believe in you as God. You are God. Jesus Christ, you are God. You created the universe. You fashioned it. You created it, you spoke it into existence. Amen? So not all so-called Christian doctrines today lead to eternal life, but only doctrines which are pure to the narrow parameters of the eternal gospel as preached by Jesus, as preached by Paul and all the disciples. Amen? And many will say that doctrine doesn't matter, that, you know, once you're a Christian, you know, we all have differing doctrines and stuff, and you know, but ultimately it's just your faith in Christ that gets you saved. You know, it's a very narrow view, and it's not within the narrow parameters of the gospel. <laughs> However, 1 Timothy 4.16 says this. It says, watch your life and watch your doctrine closely. 
So he's telling us to be diligent, to be Bereans with it. Don't leave things to chance. Persevere in them. So persevere in living the right life. Because that's when you, when you watch your life, you watch how you live your life. So you persevere in living the right way according to the gospel. And you persevere in your doctrine. And if you persevere in your doctrine, you will save both yourself so if I persevere in the doctrine that I know is true because I follow the doctrines of and live within the parameters, if I persevere in them, I will save myself and also you guys because if you believe the parameters that I'm teaching and the doctrines that I'm teaching you and you live within them, you will be saved also. So doctrine, correct doctrine, saves you. False doctrine condemns you. And there's no reason to live under false doctrine. You'll only live under false doctrine by being pig-headed about it and saying, I'm not going to listen to anyone that teaches anything contrary to what I already believe. You know, which is why when you talk to a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't want to hear you. You can argue with them all you want. They don't want to hear you. They want to believe what they believe. Even though the Bible says contrary, it doesn't matter because they want to believe their little books that they read, not the Bible. And their Bible is a twisted mess anyway. What is um? It's called the New World Translation, and Joe Schimmel calls it the New World Abomination. It's a terrible book. There's parts of it are still good, but if you go and cut out all the references to Jesus as being God and all that sort of stuff, Christian Dolphins teach the same thing. Jesus and God, they got all the reasons under the sun. I had a guy cornered. I had produced that many scriptures to him that prove that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You know, he still didn't want to see it. It was so clear. He couldn't argue what I was saying. He just did not want to accept what I was saying. Stubbornness, stubbornness leads people to hell. If you don't believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, you will not receive eternal life. You know? Anyway, let's pray about this. And um, thanks for listening to the message. All right, Lord, we just thank you for this message. We thank you um, that you've spoken through me today and um, that the message came through loud and clear and I just pray that you uh, uh, bless the rest of our week help us to live all of us to live within the parameters of the gospel Lord the parameters are so clear we've just got to read them and we've got to persevere in them daily uh, so help us to resist all forms of evil help us to resist all forms and that it, evil comes in so many forms today help us to be uh, vigilant in this help us to be aware of the deceptions that are going on so that we will not be deceived like the rest of men god help us to make sure that we walk that narrow road that leads to life uh, let us be just some of the few that find it and i pray that more and more people around the world will also find that narrow road that leads to life and not fall prey to the uh, workings of satan who seems to have this world um, uh, wound up with in a, in a web of false doctrines and false uh, teachings. So I pray you do something marvellous in your mighty name just to uh, break this stranglehold that Satan has over the church and over all mankind. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment, and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine, and end times. Feel free to check them out.